So uh, I wanted to tell you a couple of things first. Um, I want to give you a report about the men's meeting this weekend. Um, about, and I'm going to tell you the backstory on it. About six weeks ago, I have a friend who lives in another state who's real prophetic, and I've been just one of these kind of people I kind of text to or talk on the phone with. Uh, and so we decided to get together for lunch, and so this, we got together for lunch, and he said, I got this, I got this word for your church. And I, I said, okay. Uh, he said, the word is double for your trouble. Double for your trouble. And I thought, wow, that's an amazing word. And, you know, of course, that comes out of the book of Job. Uh, at, the end of, at the end of the book of Job, after Job went through hell in his life, and, you know, thinking God was kind of turned against him, and uh, like I told somebody recently, uh, if you read the book with your natural mind, obviously you would think God did turn against him, but that's not the real story. But, you know, and it says that Job, at the end, the Lord said, pray for your friends, the ones who just afflicted him, uh, maybe unknowingly, you know, they weren't trying to inflict him, but they did afflict Job pretty bad. And uh, and it says that Job prayed for his friends, and it says the Lord restored uh, Job's fortunes double. Gave him two times the kids, and I think somebody mentioned he had the most beautiful daughters ever. Well, that's, that might be a kind of a rough day for a dad. <laughs> you got to keep out, you know, watch out for your daughters. But... uh I just thought, man, that I believe, I felt, well, you'd just be a daggone hard head not to receive a word like that, right? You'd have to be jaded beyond repair. I mean, it doesn't take a lot of, you know, faith even to receive that word. It's just, just a hopeful word. And, and I just really prayed about it a lot since then and asked the Lord about it and really wanted to see that word released here. And uh, so now to the men's meeting, it was amazing. Uh, it's, I just tell you, it was, I've been to a, a few men's meetings in my life. That was the best one ever. For me, it was significant because I feel like that's what God was doing is releasing the healing, releasing anointing for forgiveness. It was, it was profound. And, uh, I just want to thank Jacob Whitlow. He, he really did it. He he didn't know that how prophetic he was being when he released, he shared a video that they made. And I watched the video a while back and was so enamored with Josiah on the video, uh, their son. Him, yeah. uh, but I was so in, in tune with Josiah, I was kind of not getting the message of the video as much as I was enjoying the message of Josiah. <laughs> Uh, you know, that's a father. He just love if his kids can be doing anything, he can be loving that. But it's a powerful video, and I would like for all of you to watch it. Maybe we may have watched it here, didn't we? No, we, we're going to have to have a time to watch that. Uh, but Jake, and then Jacob uh, shared uh, some of Jacob's story. Uh, well, you might think Jacob's just this metro-looking guy. Right, I mean, wears odd-colored pants and, you know, shoes. And, but man, where, where'd you get them clothes at, man? I mean, somebody get him some, some lumber sexual clothes, right? <laughs> Anyways, 
He's a good guy. He's a great guy. But I tell you, I told Becky, I said, Jacob got stock. His stock went up because he shared Jacob. He shared where he had been, his journey. And that was really what that weekend was about. It was people either standing up in front of everybody or people talking to each other, talking about some of their journey of pain and rejection and, and brokenness and how the power of God and the forgiveness and had such an uh, impact on their life. It was really just, just awesome. I mean, Matthew Bollinger gave his... Gosh, we worked with Matthew for years about his preaching. I'm just going like, to beat you to death. Boy, you're going to have to step... Man, it was the best message ever. I said, Matthew, hit your all-time high. And you know what it was? He told some of his story of forgiveness with his first wife and the, bro- the broken marriage and the journey that God took. And it, it, was, it was really, it was really good. It was sticking. And, and I think Luis brought up double, he shared that thing about Job. Larry had a profound vision about, about the, you know, the forgiveness thing. And then Jim gave an amazing message about Joseph with a little bit of a different spin on it about uh, the prayers of a father uh, that caused a shift in Joseph's heart and caused Joseph to be able to forgive. I thought that was really a, a directional prayer, a real uh, message actually that we need to, the fathers uh, in this room need to stand up right now. If you're a father naturally or spiritually, please stand up. Yes, it's not Father's Day. But here's what I want to do. I want us to pray for a moment. I want the dads to pray. Like Joseph prayed, uh, uh, Jacob prayed. You know, that was when everything was going down the tubes for him. And he already thought he had lost Joseph. Was about to thinking he was going to lose some more of his sons. And, you know, he just couldn't, couldn't bear it, really. I mean, what father could bear losing a son? But we also heard from Mike Stewart, who has lost a son, and how he was able to, his journey of forgiveness for the man who murdered Matt Stewart. It was amazing, Mike. Thank you. But when you shared that, it, I felt crushed when you shared that. I felt crushed in my heart. You was able to get up and say that, and just really wishing I had something to give you. You know, to really give you. I wish I, I, I was so wanting God to give me something for you, but I realized when you sat with me there that you were giving me something, and you were giving me something only a father can give, and a a father gave forgiveness to a man who destroyed your son's life, and I really appreciate you letting us in on that little piece of your life, and it's, it's very powerful and meaningful, so I just want the fathers in this room to pray. And ask the Lord to do what Jacob, what Jacob did when he prayed. He just said, "Lord, was it have mercy and compassion?" Something like. The Almighty will put mercy and compassion of, of, in the heart of Joseph, which he didn't know it was Joseph at the time. And and so what what we see in that is just that God would put that we have 
we, we can't forgive unless God puts something in our heart. That's what that was saying. And, and I know that every man in this room, if you know Christ, you've been forgiven and you have that. And, but I just think just um, maybe, Jim, you could do this because I don't really. I, all I know is I just feel like your prayers are important. That's what I feel. And I just, how can we pray this? I don't know. If you want to come over here and lead us in a prayer, Jim, I don't know what. To, <laughs> since you gave that message, just lead these men in a prayer. Oh, man, we really need the Holy Spirit, don't we, (laughs) at all times. I really believe that the Lord is giving, especially spiritual fathers, the ability to pray mercy, to impart mercy and forgiveness into horrible, conflicted family situations that have uh, broken the hearts of people, how many have have had difficulty within your family, fights within the family, unforgiveness, betrayal, things like that? You know that they that just seem like there's no solution, there's no resolution, a natural resolution. I believe we can speak like Jacob says, "May the omnipotent God put mercy and compassion." in the heart of that man. And we can sow mercy and compassion into those uh, conflicted situations, okay? Let's just believe that. Father, we're right now in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, we just declare in those conflicts, in those broken relationships, in those people who have walked away from their destinies in Christ, into traps of sin and in the world, Lord God, we just speak that you would impart mercy and compassion, and forgiveness, and reconciliation, and restoration in those circumstances, supernaturally, because you are the almighty, omnipotent creator of all things, and you are the great I am of mercy. Yeah, yeah. thank you, Lord. Father, thank you for the fathers in this room. Yeah, pray over your households regularly. Pray over this church. Pray over this community. Your prayer, that, I think there's a double for your trouble. Job, was a, he was a father. He, he went through traumatic loss, trauma loss, but he got double for his trouble. And I believe that's what the Lord wants for us to have in this church, in your home, your, your work, your finances, wherever, wherever it may be. I just, I just believe that for all my heart. And so, Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for the testimonies of Tommy McCraw gave a testimony of 20-something years of a broken relationship with his brother and how God has brought healing in that relationship. That's amazing, isn't it? 20-something years. It was powerful. It's powerful. Jacob Whitlow shared about, and I don't want to say what he shared all, but about his loss and about his broken relationship with God over the loss of his wife and his child and and uh, how the Lord healed him. It, it was amazing. I mean, God is doing miracles. 
around us. God's doing miracles. He really is. There's miracles happening. What a miracle of a brother of 20-something years being reconciled. That's a miracle. Because those are the things that we carry in our life that really mean the most to us is those relationships. You know, for a man to, to go through trauma and, and, and have a broken relationship with God, I think he said for four years, to have that restored and have that healed, that's a miracle. That's a miracle. It was, and so we were hearing miracles. And when we hear testimony like that, the power is available to tap back in and see those miracles happening in your life. And I really encourage you to take hold of that. Take hold of what God was doing. It was significant. It was a significant time. It was a significant time for me personally. I felt, I felt God, and I went. I've gone since that prophetic guy gave me that word. I've went through. I've went through like I don't know, uh, uh, Lord. Uh, well, forgive. I forgive Marlon, but I don't know that he's done anything to me. <laughs> but just in case I held anything against, I just went was doing that because I knew it was such an important word. Is is and yeah, you know, and forgiveness is always a an important word. But when God orchestrates and, and brings it down like that. We've got to hear him. We've got to pay attention. And that's what I saw him doing. Uh, because I was trying to figure out how to orchestrate that word myself and bring it. And I never felt the, you know, I just always felt like, no, no, you know, like it wasn't time. And, and now I see why. Because God didn't want he, for me to release that word. He wanted, he wanted Jacob and Matthew and Tommy and Marlon, all the different people who stood up in front and all the people who talked to each other, he wanted them to release that word. Tim, Tim Orrett released a powerful prophetic word. I mean, just, and you know, you know, I just feel like, you know, I, I'm just saying this. I, I just feel like, you know, for you, uh, stand up. Stand up, Mike. Listen, Mike said his business is suffering. Okay? Some some of some of you men and women turn around and lay hands on Mike and let's release a double blessing on Mike. You know, I, I just want God to do what only God can do. Just, I mean, just in case you don't know, Mike Stewart was Matt Stewart's dad. In two thousand and nine, Matt Stewart was murdered. He was a member of this church that we dearly loved, and that's his his dad. And he's a he's a good man. He's a father. And, and I just want to give him honor, him and Bonnie, and they've been, they walked through hell. I mean, they've walked through an unimaginable hell, in my, in my opinion. And, but God has restored them. So, Lord, we just pray, and we thank you for, 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 for Mike and Bonnie. And we ask you, God, today, just as he was able to say, I, I forgive. I forgave that man. I pray, Lord, that you would give him double for his trouble. I pray it manifest in his business, in his health. All his dreams, Lord. All his dreams, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for, for, for Mike and Bonnie, Lord. We do bless them today. And we give them honor, Lord. And we tell them and that God, and all heaven honors them. And you're important. You guys are important people. Don't ever think anything different. And we love you. Hey, man, that's good, isn't it? The Lord's good. He really is. Well, thank you, Lord. I'm going to read these scriptures here. And, uh, you know, I've been 
if you haven't been here or if you forget like I do, like sometimes I forget what I, somebody was talking to me about something I preached last week, and I, was, I couldn't even remember what I preached. Like, what in the world was wrong with me? What was last week? But I wanted to read this, Second Kings. This is talking about Elijah's departure. Not his death, but his departure from the earth. So we're looking at the end of Elijah's time on earth for a little while. Now, I don't have a time to give you everything. There's a lot in this, but there's one thing I'm going to give you for sure that I think is really important. But I'm just going to read uh, this little story here, and I'll refer back to it. It's, it starts in verse 7, 2 Kings 2, and it says, Fifty men of the sons of the prophet went and stood facing them, mean, them being Elijah and Elisha, at a, at a distance, while uh, the two of them stood by the Jordan. Now Elijah took his mantle and rolled it up and struck the water, and it was divided this way and that, so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. That's pretty, pretty good, right? And so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask, what may I do for you before I am taken away from you? Elisha said, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So he said, You have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried out, My father, my ch-. Well, it's supposed to be, what? Somehow my Bible did not translate, but it says, it says, My father, my. I don't know what happened to the other father, but... It means, it says, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. Kind of indicates that, you know, when you tear your clothes into two pieces, they're not going to be on you, right? It kind of <laughs> indicates that he didn't have any clothes on at this point. Uh, but, and I think that's true, and that there's meaning in that. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had struck the water, it was divided this way and that. And Elijah crossed over. Isn't that an amazing story? That's one of the most crazy stories in the Bible, if you think about it. I mean, it's just... You know, Elijah had this spectacular life, right? I mean, and so his departure was maybe as, as at least equal and probably more spectacular than the life he lived. I mean, it's just nobody's ever heard of such, such things as this. Uh, and nowhere else in the Bible other than maybe in Ezekiel when he talks about the, the wheel in the middle of the wheel, the chariots, which probably is the same thing that he was seeing, but that's another story. You know, nothing, and then until you get to the book of Revelation and all that's so crazy, it's like, whoa, you know, it's all that. But this is, uh, there's a lot in here. Um, I, I want to look at this since I don't have a lot of time and, you know, the question that was asked 
that's an amazing question. Ask, what may I do for you before I'm taken from you? Ask. That's a powerful question. You know, it makes me think about when the Lord uh, asked Solomon, when he came to visit Solomon in this dream and asked him what he wanted. You know, those, those are, that's a question, you know, that we should consider in our own life. If God, through, him, through a dream or through some revelation or through some powerful prophetic person like Elijah ask us this question that someone who had the power to, to do something for us and they asked us what could they do for us? What, would, what can I do for you before, before I leave? That's the question that maybe we should consider for our own self. If we were ever in a situation where God may be wanting to give us something and we could ask Him what's in our heart, or the thing that we wanted God to, to do the most in your life. Have you ever thought about that? If you, you could have anything from God. Have you ever considered that? Have you ever really sat down and really considered it? Lord, if I could have anything I wanted from you, what would it be? I mean, that's an important question. You know, the Lord told Solomon when he asked that question, uh, you know, Solomon asked for a, a heart of wisdom to bear the shepherd the people of God. That's what he asked for. And the Lord said uh, he was going to give him that. And he said, oh, yeah, and by the way, since you didn't ask, you didn't ask for money or riches or fame, you're going to get that too. Isn't that amazing? Because he could have asked for money and riches and fame and got that, but not had the wisdom to do what he did. And he's known as one of the most wise people who's ever lived on the earth. And so I think it's a good question for you and I to really consider, you know, what would you want God to do for you if you could ask Him to do anything? I'm sure there's people in here, your immediate thought goes towards your, towards your children, right? I, that was when I was thinking about it. That was the first thing I thought about my kids. You know, I think every one of us that are parents, that would be your natural inclination. Some of you probably need some money this morning. You probably think, I need some money, Lord, right now. I'm, I'm just in a mess. That would be a great thing. It's not a bad thing. You just, you know, there's no right or wrong in the answer, I don't believe. But I do think the, I do think that question can cause our heart to be revealed. Because, you know, we all, I think most of us know when, when God asks us a question, He's really not looking for answers from us. He's really looking for us to see what's in us. And the questions help uncover our hearts. Okay, so this morning, if, if the Lord would ask you that question, what would, be, what would you see uncovered in you? What would you find out about yourself this morning? What would you really, really want from the Lord? Ask yourself that. Sit down sometimes and just think. Think through it and have, spend some time thinking about it and see what's really in your heart. I really want to say that. But, so Elisha said, uh, let me have a double portion of your spirit upon me. That's a powerful Request. I think most people, if you're like a charismatic or Pentecostal person, uh, you would think about the anointing and about the miracles, right? Because actually he did do, he really did do two times the miracles that Elijah did, right? I think we've talked about that. And it's a, that's a biblical fact that he did twice the miracles that Elijah did. Uh, his last miracle was in his death when when the they threw his body into a, into a grave and it's slid over beside the next guy laying in the grave. I guess they buried everybody together back then. I don't know, but it's a mass grave possibly. 
But anyways, when his bones hit this other dead guy, the other guy, dead guy jumped up alive. So he, he had a powerful ministry. Uh, but I don't know that that's what this really means ultimately. I think that's secondary uh, in the heart of Elisha because, and this is just a thought for you this morning, um, in the Hebrew culture, um, the way things worked was when a man had sons, the oldest son would get double the inheritance. Okay, I want to, let me read this scripture here. I, this is it's Deuteronomy 21, 17. And Moses is talking to, to some people who had a man who had two wives and one that wasn't loved as much as other. That's the bad thing about having more than one wife, right? No, that is not the only thing. The bad thing about having one wife is making sure she feels loved all the time. For men, that can be difficult. Right, Becky? Yeah, Becky's, Becky's word for men is men are stupid. <laughs> so that's what she thinks about men. They're stupid. If they just would act a different way, everything would be better for them. She's really saying that to me. You're stupid, Byron. You know, you just really don't know how to deal with women. Which I really don't. In fact, the further, and I was, honestly, I'm going to be married 40 years in Jan- June. 40. That's what I said. 40. Well, I feel like I've just been married four because I was thinking about that thing. Or doing, I think I need to go to that thing, man. That friendship thing. I need to figure out how to be a good husband. I haven't figured that out quite yet. Because every time I get thinking I'm doing better, she comes up with some new thought. <laughs> like, that ain't, that ain't really what I want now, but that's what you wanted, you know. <laughs> but that, didn't, that don't count. So I'm thinking I might need to go get some help. Probably most guys in this room do, honestly. Anyways, but and, and this is in the middle of Moses' conversation. He shall acknowledge the son unloved's wife as the firstborn. In other words, he had two marriage, two wives. The first one he didn't love as much as the second one, but the first one had their fir- his first son. Okay, that's what he's trying to bring at. And he will give him the double portion, okay, of all that he has. He is the beginning of his strength. And the right of the firstborn is his. The right of the firstborn. See, that was part of the, the Hebrew culture, okay, that the firstborn got double and the rest of the sons got, it was all divided up. That's one of the beautiful things about the Old Testament, I think. And I've really been blessed about some of the things that we've, like some of the stuff Dean shared about money and stuff, the, looking, at it, looking at the roots of it, the Hebrew thought gives you a clear understanding. Yes, this is a shadow. Yes, this is not what we do today, but it gave us some indication of how God thinks and God feels and the way God approaches things. This is really important. This is not, this is not just some random thing here. Okay? Because here's what Elisha... Elisha, didn't, even though he was not Elijah's natural son, Elisha considered himself to be... Elijah's son, spiritually. That's why when, he was, when Elijah was going up into heaven, he was crying out to him, my father, my father. Okay, so what, what he was saying when he was asking for the double portion of his spirit, because that's all Elijah had. Elijah didn't have anything as far as we know. He didn't have homes, horses, cows, or anything, money or anything. All he had was the anointing, the Spirit of God that rested on who he was as a prophetic voice. That's what Elijah was. That's who he was. That's what he carried. And that's what Elisha was saying. I want a double portion of that. There are these other prophetic men 
The other 50 prophets, and probably many more, and we saw last week in different towns, there was these schools of prophets, and the Bible indicates that those were people that Elisha had raised up also, meaning that they would get part of Elisha's mantle. But Elisha was asking for the double portion. And so that's what he really wanted. He really wanted a double portion of the mantle that rested on Elijah. And Elijah said, well, that's, hard, that's a hard thing to do. I can't give you something that I don't have. I don't have a double portion. But if you can see me when I'm taken up, you can have it. But if you can't see me, then it won't happen. Well, that was kind of an interesting thing. And that's a whole other little topic about seeing, which I think is really important. But I'm not going to go there. I'm going to resist going there. I'm going to highly resist going there. I really want to go there really bad, but I think there's other things more important. Because, you know, I was one of those people who always thought that, that Elijah went up into heaven on, in the chariot, right? I mean, everybody thinks that. I, there's even pictures of Elijah going up in heaven in a chariot, but that's not really what the Scripture says. It says he went up in a whirlwind. In fact, if you go back to say it, King's... In the very first verse when they started talking about this, it sets it out right then. This is the story about when Elijah, because this story is about Elijah, about Elijah when he was taken up into heaven in a whirlwind. Okay, so, so, this, so this, whirlwind, this whirlwind came down. They were together, and, the, and this chariot of fire came down also and separated them. And Elijah went up in the whirlwind, and there was this chariot of fire between them. Okay, where he couldn't, but he kept his eyes. See, Elisha knew. He knew something. He knew that, what, that he had to keep his eyes, keep his focus on Elijah if he was going to get the inheritance that he really wanted. And he did. He kept his eyes. But most of us, if we saw the chariot, right, that would be like amazing. Wow, look what God's doing now. You see, here's the thing. I think, here's, I'm just going to hit on this for a second, distractions. There's a lot of distractions for Christianity. Uh, some of it's from the devil. Some of it's natural distraction, normal distraction, like your, the cares of this life. The, the thing, those things can become, they're not evil in themselves, but they can distract your focus about who you are and what God's put you on this earth for. Then there's these actual distractions of the blessings of God. I, you know, I kind of think this. I kind of think that lots of times when the Lord starts moving in a church or moving in a revival some ways, that the blessings of God become more of the focus and we get distracted away from the thing that we're really supposed to be keeping our eyes on. And over a period of time, we, we begin to lose, you know, what God wants to do because we've we've got so enamored with the what God's doing and all the things that God does when He moves, we get enamored with those things. And, and, and there's something to be enamored with. I'm totally in, on board with being enamored with them. But I think sometimes even the blessings of God can distract us and keep us from coming into what God wants for us. Are y'all following this? And I think that's what that really shows us. In fact, if you go through the book of Acts, I'll, let me just say this real quick. Go through the book of Acts, okay? the first ten chapters, and what you will find, you'll find that God moving and then something would happen. Okay? And then those guys would either pray or they would get refocused 
Okay, it would either be something good would happen or something bad would happen. But they kept getting this increase because every time something came their way, they would try to get refocused on, on the Lord and what the Lord was doing, not on what was happening around them. And I think that's really a key for, for believers. Are y'all all right? Y'all just really, I want y'all to hear this. I need to hear this because I believe God's going to move. You know, and I think it would be easy. Jonathan, I'm so sorry South Carolina lost. Not really. I was hoping they would lose because I was kind of scared they might be able to beat Carolina. But I know you, you know, Jonathan goes to South Carolina, so we just want to give him mercy today. I was thinking about Jonathan all weekend, actually. (laughs) But that was awesome that they made it as far as they did, and that was good enough. (laughs) Just kidding. Anyways. Okay, Lord, have mercy on me, because I'm really, y'all could come see me tomorrow night, and I'll be really happy, because I'm really thinking the Tar Heels are going to win, and they should win, because I got money in that school, I've invested a lot of money in that school, anyways, I need to finish this, what's really important, this, this is important, now I'm telling you, this is really important, there's something about, there's something about our inheritance in Christ, that this is speaks of. You see, if you, can, if you can allow yourself to see this, if you can allow yourself in that moment when, when Elijah was taken, that he was, like a, he was like a type of Christ. Okay? And Elisha was a type of the body of Christ, or Elisha was a type of me and you. Now, when you think about it, think about this. Firstborn, that's why I read that. See, that's what, that's what Elisha was appealing to, is I want the inheritance of the firstborn. So I want to read this Romans, uh, it's Romans 8, uh, verse 14 through 70. Did I get Yes, thank you. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Isn't that beautiful? And that kept coming up this weekend. I I was really blessed by the grace revelations that kept getting released in the room. The Abba, Father. That was a big stream of consciousness that was flowing in here. Oh, I love that. The Spirit Himself bears witness, witness with our spirits that we are children of God. Listen now, we're children of God. John, I think John chapter 1, uh, somewhere in there says we have a right, a right to be called children of God. We have a right. That's a legal right from heaven that we're children. Okay? If, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, number one, and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him, that we may be glorified together. Joint heirs. Joint heirs of what? The firstborn son. Are you getting this? Now here's where the Christianity falls down, I think. Christ as the firstborn, the firstborn from the dead, the the firstborn over all creation, those are terms. The firstborn amongst many brothers, those are things that the Bible, he as that firstborn received that double portion from the Father. 
Okay, in, in the Hebrews' mind, the way the Hebrews thought, that's, that's why this firstborn thing is really important for us to get. In other words, the, the, the double portion was this. He received everything from the Father. He received a fullness of the Spirit. The Bible says He has a Spirit without measure, right? All the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Jesus Christ, in this person. That's what the firstborn uh, inheritance was. And so what, uh, listen, what Elisha was saying, I want a double portion. I want what you have. And this is saying that we are heirs. We're heirs of Christ. In other words, we have a legal access to tap, in, to tap into this thing. I know this might be too hard to believe. Or you may, in your little mind, be thinking, well, that's, well, yeah, yeah, that's great. That's, no, God wants to reveal that to our heart. That all that Christ had, all that Christ is, all that Christ was, we have legal access to say, we want that. Because we're a joint heir. Somehow God has made a provision for us to be able to tap in, not to what our inheritance was or is, I don't want my inheritance. I want his inheritance. Because his inheritance is the double. If I just get my inheritance, I'm going to get a little portion. Because there's a bunch of us. And we're all going to get these little portions. And as awesome as that would be, he's got the double. He's got double of what God. Think about it. You know, the Bible says, I've thought thought all the things. Like, Christ is our wisdom. We can actually have his wisdom. His wisdom. We can actually have the thoughts of Jesus. We don't have to try to think like Jesus. What is that absurd to try to think like? That's the most absurd thought in the world. Nobody can think like Jesus. Only Jesus can, but we can have his thoughts. Are y'all thinking about this? Are y'all thinking about this? And see, all those distractions... All those distractions, what Elijah said, if you can see me when I'm taken up. If you go on in this story, all those other prophets standing there on the side of the lake, hey, let's go look for Elijah. And they were the same ones that were saying, telling Elijah beforehand, the Lord's going to take him up, the Lord's going to take him They were prophesying, the Lord's taking him up. But then when he got took up, oh, somewhere he's hiding somewhere. You see, they couldn't see him go up. They couldn't see Christ sitting on the throne. Are y'all getting this? And see, that's why a lot of us are not walking in in His inheritance. That's why we're not walking in something greater than walking. Because we have in our hearts, we are not able to see Him go up. We're so distracted. I'm talking to me too. I'm not, don't think I'm saying something bad about you and that I'm doing good. Trust me. I'm very concerned about the distractions in my life. And about my lack of walking in the inheritance that Christ has given me. The double portion. You know, when the, that's why people don't believe in Jesus as the Lord and Savior. Because ultimately in their heart, they don't see this man who was resurrected and is sitting on the very throne of God. If they really saw that... And their hearts really saw that's, that's really who he is. He's, he's the king, like we sing. He has no equal. There's no challenge to him. And when we begin to really see that in our life, that's when we can begin to really tap in to him and tap into his inheritance. Jesus actually said this when he prayed. He said, I pray that the Father, that the way you love me, that they would have that same love. 
the way you love me, I want them to experience that same love. You know, and God loved Jesus. I mean, beyond measure, beyond bound. Becky said something to me that last night, or sometimes, maybe this morning. You know that movie I mentioned last week about miracles from heaven? And, and we were talking, and she was saying, the thing that spoke to me in that movie, there was a scene in it when the dad was trying to get to, to Texas where the, where the baby was, where the child was, being treated by doctors. And they went to get on an airplane, and they kept going through all his credit cards, and he had no credit. All of them were full, okay, because, Becky said, because he had bankrupted himself for this child. He had bankrupted himself to get this child to the best doctors, to get this child healed. And there he was trying to get to the child, and none of his credit card worked, and, and God did a miracle. The guy who was behind the, behind the, the counter reached down and switched his screen. I said, oh, something's wrong with the computer. It'll go through later. Meaning, I'll pay for it, but not telling it I'll pay. I'll pay you and your other two children's ticket to go so you can be with this dying child. Isn't that amazing? That's a miracle. But that's what God did for us in Christ. He bankrupted himself. For us, because He gave everything for us, He gave everything for us. He bankrupted Himself. It's not a thought to think that God actually, God in heaven, bankrupted Himself for us. He went bankrupt. I mean, that's a, a, a thought too big for my mind. I love what Seth said yesterday afternoon. He was leading worship, and he said, and we were singing some really great songs. In beautiful songs that said good stuff, you know. But he stopped and said, you know, these words, these words are not adequate. And they're awesome words, but they really don't, they don't pay, it, it, they, they somehow just don't give God what he really deserves because our words are limited. We can say, oh, God's awesome, God's faithful, God's beautiful, God is glorious. But those words are actually, he was seen at that moment, that, that they don't even serve God justice. They don't. They're little compared to how awesome God is. And that God decided he wanted us to have this inheritance, this inheritance of Christ. That's the thing. That's what Elisha, that story says, it screams it. That we can have the double portion. Because he got the double portion. And he walked in the double portion. And Christians need to begin to pull on heaven for their inheritance. We have an inheritance because God bankrupted himself so we could. And when we begin to really see that with our heart, it can have a profound impact on us. Because when I begin to think about this, I'm thinking, good Lord, what kind of life am I living? Because I'm surely not walking in in this inheritance of Christ. Not even a little bit. I mean, it means a lot of things. It means His wisdom, His righteousness, a lot of things that we, we would know, right? Christ has become, for us, wisdom and righteousness of God. We believe that. We believe of that. We don't believe we have a righteousness of our own. We, we know that. We know we don't. That's a dumb thought to even think that. But there's so much more. 
You know, God, listen, Jesus' power, the resurrection power. Paul said, that was one of his prayers in Ephesians when he was asking for enlightenment, for us to have enlightenment, that we would know the power, the resurrection power of Christ. And when he said no, he means you would experience it. it you'd have an intimacy with this thing. It would be something that would impact your life. It would profoundly touch your life. You ever think about that? And God really wants us to, to really walk in all of that. And so, you know, Elisha, you know, he was able to watch Elijah go up to heaven. And, you know, the horsemen, I wanted to mention that to you, what that represents. That was like the best military machine there was in that day. In other words, that was your greatest weapon of a, of a kingdom. If you were going to go fight a war, you needed that. And what he was saying, my father, my father, you're leaving. In other words, he was, in his mind, and everybody else's mind who knew Elijah, you're the protection of Israel. You're all Israel has. We're going to be vulnerable without you. That's why he was saying, my father, my father, the, the horsemen and chariots of Israel, because the, the horsemen and chariots of Israel was going away. And there he was left. Think about it. Think about Jesus when he went. I can imagine those disciples standing there like, oh, God, we're in trouble. You know, we went through all this. We finally figured out this, this guy is really the real deal, and now he's leaving. It's a picture of that. It's a picture of Christ ascending and saying, uh, hang out, the mantle's coming. You, know? that, you see that? The, the mantle's coming. The Holy Ghost is coming. That's going to be your mantle. It's going to come... And you're going to get this power. And you're going to do what, you can do what Jesus did. See, God, that's part of our inheritance. God wants us to become Christ-like. Listen, it's not a, this thing don't happen instant. There's a transformation. There's a, you know, there's a process in this. But we got to get on, you know, I want to get on that. I want to get with that. I want to get down the road in this transformation. I want to get down the road in accessing His inheritance. I'm saying, God, hey, I want some of your inheritance. I want to get down the road. I don't want to, I don't quit hanging around here where I'm at spiritually. I want to get into that because it's mine. I've been given a right because I'm a son. That's why that revelation of the Father is so important that you know that you're a son. That's why he says the Spirit cries out in us. Abba. Abba is crying out. For us to know this, you've got to know this. That's what the Spirit did. You've got to know you're a son. You have this right to, to the inheritance of Christ. You have this right to the double portion. Are you, does this make any sense, y'all? Because y'all ain't looking like y'all are looking like you ain't and not happy about this. <laughs> you've got to be happy about this. Striving is over with. Self-effort's over with. That's done with. You ain't got to strive for this. All you got to do is lean into it. Believe it. Begin to ask God, hey, that's what it says. I'm believing it for me. Because we don't need a striving church. Mm -mm. We need a church that believes in the finished work. We need a church that sees Him on the throne and sees that the mantle has come down and that we're picking that mantle. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going for that mantle now. I might have to fight a couple of you. I know there's a couple of you here that's pretty wild about stuff. 
I think I'd actually get on the ground with you trying to get a hold of that mantle. I'm like, I'm getting a piece of it. You may get a piece too, but I'm getting a piece. Because I'm going to take my foot and everything else to push you away to get that mantle. How many want that mantle this morning? It's yours in Christ. It's for everybody. It's for everybody. You know, it's, it's for mothers with little babies that are struggling in the home. That's just struggling to, to get through the day. And, and, and we're saying distraction. They're saying there's no hope for me because I, my life is a distraction. I'm, God is saying this is for you. You know, if, you're, if you can't do it, I'll do it for you. I'll focus for you if you'll let me. Yeah. That's good. You know, that's, that's, it's for everybody. I want you to be able to receive that. So, won't you stand up? Marlon, you come up here. Hey, we really do need to abolish our old way of thinking. Okay? Let's abolish it today. Let's begin to tap in to the inheritance in Christ. Let's start thinking that way. Is this hard for you to think this? I know for some of you it's really easy. Some of you it might be hard. It's, it, to me it's like, gosh, is this really true? I mean, this seems so good. Yeah, you know? This really seems really good. Can this be true? And why isn't everybody else not doing it? That's my question. Like if you knew there was a million dollars hid back there in one of those cars and, and somebody said you could have it, how many people would be left in here like, oh, well, yes, there's a million dollars out there, but I'm not going to go out there and look for it. <laughs> now you would be knocking people down, getting out the door to get that million dollars. I would. In fact, if I knew it, and didn't, I wouldn't tell nobody. And if nobody, I'm not telling them. I'm going to go get it first, and then I'll tell them, oh, yeah, the Lord said there was a million dollars out there. <laughs> Lord, I just pray this morning. You're, you're worth, there's, Oh, Lord, you're just amazing. And, Lord, we just believe what Jesus said, that we're joint heirs. That's what Paul said in Romans. We're joint heirs. And you have given us the Holy Spirit to communicate that to our hearts. And so I'm asking you, Lord, what I've said today, uh, that somehow it would be communicated to hearts in this room, that people in this room would begin to get this. I mean, And I mean really get it, Lord, that we can tap into the double portion of Christ, His inheritance. Mm. And Lord, we know the Scripture teaches that we've inherited the kingdom and we've inherited God. That's two things it says clearly in the Scripture, that we've inherited God and we've inherited God's kingdom. That we have a right to the God. We have a right to His kingdom. Nothing, only you can stop yourself from God. Only you can stand and say, I'm not going to access God. God will not do that to you. God will not do that to you because He's given us a right as children to get, have access to Him. And He's given us a right as children to access the kingdom, which is everything. All provision, all everything is in the kingdom. That's why He said, seek it first. Go there first. Don't, that's what He was saying. Listen. Go there first. Don't go to the natural first. Go there first. You hear that? Some of you need to hear that because you got problems and you're going back to the natural realm to try to solve your problem. You're looking at your bank account. Well, you need to look at it, but that ain't the first place you need to go. You need to go to the kingdom first. That's why he said, seek that first. Go there first. And when you go and you pray for that kingdom to come, 
Something's going to happen because God answers our prayers because we're His children. It doesn't matter what your experience tells you. We're in a new time. You need to forget your experience. That's what you need to abolish. It's, it's your bad experience. Right, Jackie? Abolish your bad experience. Right? Jackie gave me this word. You got to abolish. There's some things that need to be abolished. I think some of us are past our bad experiences with God. Let's abolish them this morning. Let's do that right now. Let's just take a moment and do that. I think this is important because that hinders a lot of you. Some of you have just had absolute failure over things with God. You know, I, I'm one of them. But we've got to abolish that in our minds, okay, and start believing what God has said. So think about the failure area, the disappointment, your bad experience. Think about that for a moment and just say, I abolish that in the name of Jesus. I abolish that. I abolish that. I abolish my failure. I abolish my disappointments. Just abolish it. Take that time. Let let the Holy Spirit do that for you. That's what He wants to do. I'm telling you, He does. Well, thank you, Lord. Come on, let's abolish. That's a good word this morning. Thank you, Jackie. This is what she said. We need to abolish... Then we need to edify. Let's build up what God is saying. Let's build up what God is doing right now. Let's build that up in our let's put our focus there. Don't let that other stuff distract you. Okay? Let's purify. Let's let the mind of Jesus come into our hearts and thoughts this morning and cleanse them. Let's purify. Let the word let the word of God wash through you. And then let's validate it. Let's prove, let's prove it by, by, by doing it and living it. I think that's what I'm getting out of her words that she was getting this morning. Abolish. What's, what do you want, Tim? <laughs> so I, I just wanted to encourage, because he said, you know, you don't have to wonder, can I have a double portion? It's yours, because you're in Christ. It said you died, buried, resurrected. He took you out of the kingdom of darkness. You're in the kingdom of light. You're in Christ. So if you're in Christ, you have the double portion. You don't have to say, God, I got to wrestle for it. It's yours. So take it. It's finished. It's yours. That's good. You know, one thing that I was reminded, I was actually sharing this briefly yesterday. Because when Jesus knew that he was about to die and he was talking to his disciples, and at that very moment, he looked to them and he could tell that he was really moved in his heart. And he could tell that the disciples were really worried because they're trying to figure out how is this possible? We can't go where you're going. And Jesus said, listen, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And the thing about it is that orphan spirit really has been operating in us from from birth and the day that you met Jesus and you say yes to Jesus in your heart and you got the gift from the Father which is Holy Ghost himself that was a guarantee that that often spirit no longer had a place in our life like period so the fact that you feel the Holy Spirit should give you confidence that you are a son and that you're no longer under the umbrella of being an orphan spirit, which is you have to fend for yourself. 
Because I've been there before, being an orphan, where you feel like I have to do everything myself. I gotta survive. I gotta figure this thing out. And you can see how that has really permeated our lives because it's pretty evident. But the Father, He's such a good Father, He wants us to be at rest, that He's a good Father, and that He's not gonna leave us to fend for ourselves not not no good father will just let the kids starve say figure it out okay put a padlock on the refrigerator and say you figure it out you go figure out how to get food today no father's gonna do that if we who are not even that perfect can have that compassion that love towards our own blood how much more a perfect father that send his own son, send his own son, that woman learn sonship. Amen? So I just want to release that. So if you feel the Holy Ghost, you have that guarantee. You are a son and a daughter. So Father, this morning we thank you for that. We thank you that we're sons and daughters and that we can walk in that which you've already made possible for us, Father. And that we belong and we have a home and we have a family. So as we go forth today, we go with the confidence knowing that you love us, you'll be with us in every situation, high mountain, low valley, that you share in our suffering, you share in our joy, because you're a good father. Amen? So if we have the ministry come up, if you want more prayer and you want people to lay hands on you, if you have sickness in your body, you need your heart, or you need to talk to somebody, if we have the ministry to come up, please avail yourself of this great opportunity to interact with somebody in community. For the rest of you, be blessed. Have a wonderful Sunday, rest of it. And have a great, great-filled week. Peace out.